0: GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another edition of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we are going back to Sunnydale with some amazingly talented guests from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So without further ado, let's head on down to the Hellmouth and see who we find. Our first guest is an actress whose credits include The Cat Returns, The Perfect Wedding, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Today, she joins us to discuss the role of Joyce Summers and occasionally the first evil. Please welcome Christine Sutherland.
1: Hi, you guys. Man, it is so great to be here. You know, it's a shame we can't be all together personally, but this is fantastic because we get together today virtually and anybody who's still awake around the world can be joining us and I'm sure you are and I look forward to seeing you. So thank you, Patty. And I am so grateful to be here today. And we've got some other exciting guests that I'm sure you're going to introduce.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I got to throw it out. I am I remain an eternal fan of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So <laughs> thank you for your participation in that. And uh, I just watched it during lockdown again recently. And I was just like, the story still holds up. The effects still hold up. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a keeper, as I call it. So thank you so much, and thank you so much for joining us here today. And yes, we have a few more. Our next guest is an actor and musician whose credits include Runaway, Smallville, and Torchwood. Today he joins us to discuss the role of poet William Pratt, better known as Spike. Please welcome back James Marsters.
2: Hey, guys. Good to see you. So good to to be here. Uh, I get to go to a convention, and no one knows what I'm wearing. And I Uh get to see Christine. Christine, I love you. It's been a while since I've seen you. And I love the internet and I almost love Omicron because it means I get to see you today. Almost, but not quite.
0: James, how have you been in your corner of the world?
2: I've been really good, man. I've been hanging out at home. Wow. So I've been <laughs> online shopping, making my house a little bit more livable. And I just got a new rug, which I actually like. It was amazing. You just order it and then you just drop it off. On your porch, and then you go put it in. Yeah, so I'm keeping safe, and and that's about all I'm doing right now. Besides preparing, Ghost the Robot's going to be back in the recording studio soon, working on our next album.
0: Awesome, absolutely. Looking forward to that. Thanks again for joining us, boss. Always a pleasure to see you. Right on. And finally, she is an actress, writer, director, producer, whose body of work includes Drones, Supernatural, and the Ghosts of Albion series. Today, she joins us to discuss the role of Prudent Witch Tara. Please welcome back Amber Benson. Hi! Hey. It's so nice to see all
3: of you guys. I miss you.
0: Oh, we miss you we, too.
3: What are we going on? Year two now?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> the never-ending home quarantine.
0: <laughs> this is well, why again, I the crypto. We have the roundhog day moment where we're all like, okay, I think I think, I, I think we're good. Uh, maybe not. Oh, yeah. Nope. Step out. Yeah, it totally
3: is. We're like, step out, step back, step out, step back. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask, wear a mask, get vaccinated. Everyone should be vaccinated. Wear your masks. Very important. Yes, yes. important for that. nurses and
0: doctors. Keep, and keep washing those hands
3: yes with happy birthday I do, I do it now like in my head but i i don't realize that i'm kind of humming along so i'll be like in a public restroom happy birthday too and everyone's just like <laughs> absolutely
0: and uh, yes no shame uh, we've i've still got my christmas tree up downstairs and uh we'll it'll probably be up on valentine's day oh come day on too. there's
2: a little bit of shame in that come on, <laughs> no <But that's> that <laughs> no
0: no because we put
3: little hearts and
0: stuff on it it becomes a valentine's day tree
3: well, I should do it so that the stars just over me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: God.
3: <laughs> this is the most comfortable chair in the house. I was like, uh-uh, I'm not doing it unless I sit in the comfy chair. <laughs> Forget that there's a, a star on my head. <laughs>
0: uh, well, it's all good. So our team's going through the chat room, pulling out the questions. I'd like just to just uh, throw that for each of you. What was the most memorable day that you had on the set of Buffy or James, you can pull for Buffy or, or Angel. Uh,
2: just one.
0: Um, <laughs> a, a, a memorable day. I,
2: I don't know, man. Let's pick it, pick one out of the hat. You know, I, I, I remember my first day being so nervous and at the same time, so excited because I, the script was so good. Oh my God. I, I, uh, I didn't want to audition for Buffy. I came to town only because I'd become a father, and I told my agent, look, I'm willing to do anything. I'm not here for awards. I'm not here to prove myself as an actor. I did that out in theater already. I'm here as a father, so I'll do anything. And they gave me the audition for Buffy, and I was like, oh, well, not that. That's silly. I don't (laughs) want to do that. And they they said, well, James, it's really good. Why don't you watch it? It's on tonight. It's on in fifteen minutes. Why don't you watch the episode? Call us back. Tell, you, tell us if you want the audition. It took fifteen minutes of watching one of the episodes before I was on the phone, just going, "Oh my God, get me <laughs> on the show!" And I auditioned with you know one short scene, and then I got the script, and 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 I was all over it. And I was like, "Oh my God!" And the script was amazing. So it was this combination of of feeling like there was all this potential, all this excitement, but at the same time, pretty freaking nervous. And then we did the first scene. Luckily, I didn't have to talk a lot. I was just kind of stalking Buffy, can we even do that anymore in television? But anyway, I was doing it, and and then I got to talk to a minion, and it was working. (laughs) It was working really well. I remember ripping off Rudger Power and Blade Runner. There was was really, there was Rudger in, in profile talking to one of his minions, and there was a certain cadence in his voice that I always thought was just badass. And so I was ripping that off, and it worked. And everyone was like, oh my god, this is working so well. and and it occurred to me that they may not fire me today. They may be. They may actually <laughs> pay me the amount that they said they were going to pay me, which at the time, I was so poor. I was like, it was obscene. I mean, it, it actually was the lowest amount they could get away legally with paying me. But to me, <laughs> it was a lot of money. And so it seemed like it was working. And, and and that kind of played out for that whole first episode. The director, do you mind if I go on? on go, ahead. go ahead, bro. The director, John Kay came to me in the middle of the shoot and he goes, I am committing Buffy suicide here. I'm never gonna be hired back here because I am doubling my shot list and I'm taking twice as much time as they tell me that I they can afford, but I don't care. This, uh, this episode is awesome and I'm gonna get so much work off it. I'll work everywhere else, but you'll never see me again if you can do it. <laughs> And I just, I, uh, forever, I hope I meet him someday again, because one of the reasons I think that episode popped so well is because he did that. Mm-hmm. And and you, your character was
0: meant to have, a, originally meant to have a short run, but you became a breakout and popular with the fans, which caused a, an unexpected inclusion in the show for a lot longer than anyone expected, especially you, I'd imagine.
2: Yeah, you know, you. It, it's not surprising because... Most of the other vampires on Buffy were not meant to be cool. Evil is not cool, and the show was not interested in portraying it as cool. It, it, more often than not, it was silly, it was awkward, it was laughable, which I really (laughs) respect. But with David and I, they made exceptions. They only made an exception for me because David was supposed to kill once he and Buffy (laughs) slept together and he goes evil. And they just built me up to be cool so that David could slay me and be the cool guy. But yeah, it's it's not that surprising that, that there would be a big reaction to a character like that because it was so different than the other vampires. Yeah, then there you have it. Amber, you got one?
3: Yeah, I think for me, it's not really one day. It's like a whole episode that went on and on interminably. But it was the musical, the musical that wouldn't die. How many times were we doing pickups? I mean, this thing, every time I always I say this, but I would walk in the trailer, we'd be shooting a whole different episode. I walk in, in the trailer and there'd be the the dress, the dress hanging there. And I was like, oh, I guess we're doing pickups for the musical back in the corset. But I think probably the day that we, we did the you make me complete uh, moment where we rise up and i think that was probably one of the most fun days that i've i had on buffy it was just making the musical was so much fun getting to work with like you know james and nick and emma and everybody who loved singing Like we were all having such a blast. I felt bad for the people in the group that weren't like super into singing because I was just like, this is the best thing ever. Every episode should be a singing episode. And everyone's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) but, but doing, doing that episode and getting to like play in that musical world for me was just, it was kind of an amazing experience, A, a thing that I will never probably do again in my life and I'm just so grateful that I got to to be a part of that but that that day in particular stands out cuz it was just so much fun and so bizarre what a bizarre world we live in you know that we get to do stuff like that we're very very lucky as actors
2: and again we actually, not, we actually not a lot broke, of sh- we broke break. union rules to make that episode we were Probably. Shooting, we were shooting all these splinter units way yeah. longer than it was legally allowed <laughs> really <laughs> yeah people were like we're shooting it again but don't tell anybody Shh. That
0: we're <laughs> yeah, I've I've, I've had to do some under the table alternative theater. I'm like, don't tell equity. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> so, like, uh you got a you got a, a memorable day, moment, week episode on the oh, no. I knew you were gonna catch it. To- <laughs> <laughs> well, I I I guess why I wanted to give you a chance to think.
1: Yeah, oh thank you. You know, so many things just flashed through my mind when you said that, just picking out these little moments like when I first got to join the cast, because the first season it was just kind of me at home with Buffy. And that was the one with the masks and you know vampires were coming in and I was like, oh, this is so cool. And uh then the giant who came for the <laughs> episode when, you know, Mothers Against but were we, Mothers Against Mad, whatever. One of the funnest moments was when Xander had all the women going after him because it was, oh my God, and of course, band candy. But it was, <laughs> and then all you what know, those are connected because the ability to bring out a different side in Joyce as a woman, because the cast was so young. They were you know teens and I was like an old woman of 40. So it was really nice to just, you know, bring that part of Joyce to the table. So I would say that.
0: There you have it. (coughs) Thank you for indulging my capricious curiosity. We're good to go on our audience questions. So let's go ahead and roll our first one. And this comes from Denny with two eyes. Is there anything that you really wanted for your character if you could have written something into their storyline? Hmm. Let's assume the creative, let's assume that the Joss would have been amenable to the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll leave okay. it at that. This is a very <laughs> hypothetical situation. Yeah. yeah. I would have um.
1: liked Joyce's um, business in the art world to have been fleshed out more. And, you know, perhaps for Joss's purposes, he didn't do that, but you know, sometimes I just was to remain in the box of a mother. And I think it would have been really nice to follow Joyce at work just a little bit to have a sense of the person she was outside of the house. And, you know, a single mom with the stress of raising a daughter, but also existing in the work world. So
3: I would have liked to have seen that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being in the art world. You could have, could, you could have done some some attachments to occults and stuff like that through it. You know, <laughs> you know the the curse painting. Yeah, it could, it could have been it could have plot a plot Love, evil, yeah. Artists. Yeah. <laughs> evil artists. Evil artists. <laughs> Whatever yeah. I paint horribly comes to life. <laughs>
1: I, know. I was always like, a woman who has an art gallery doesn't wear double pleated pants nobody <laughs> would listen to me
2: <laughs> i remember when they when i when i i got on as a as a regular on season four i the the question was how how are they going to get spike to stop trying to kill buffy because of course You can get away with that for one season but if as a regular you can't you can't run with that too long so i thought that the best thing to do was would be to have spike fall in love with buffy of course buffy doesn't fall in love with him that's insane but he can try to win her heart and fail either to comedic effect or or horrific effect Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different permutations of that one you can kind of run with for a while Mm -hmm. and i and when when the script came down when they put a chip in my head i was like oh well that's come on that's <laughs> that's kind of easy oh we're just gonna chip him so he doesn't doesn't try a lot like you gotta like, have another meeting guys you know but you know in hindsight it's kind of obvious to me that 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 ship led led the character in the ultimate direction better than my idea so <laughs> whenever w- you know because you want you would want Spike to be very frustrated that he couldn't kill people and then the chip comes out and you wonder is he going to kill people and that kind of propels him to make the mistakes that he makes in before he decides to try to get a soul right so asking me what i want for the character it's it's kind of dicey you know because i'm looking at the minutia of my character they're looking at the whole sweep of the story and they're Obviously, they're they're thinking way downfield where I'm not at all, and most of my ideas re- revolve around make me look cool, which is always <laughs> about.
3: I guess it's me. Well, what? <laughs> I guess it's all it's all on me. Gonna bring me. it, bring it home,
0: bring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. That is um, what I usually say. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because
3: you were talking James, and I was like, I never thought of it like this, but in the beginning, like, kind of like the road run, the road runner dynamic, just always trying to get Buffy and. Getting an anvil on the head you know i always wanted to participate more in the battles i feel like if if you look back on like tara's place when there was a fight invariably i was in a corner or behind a column or like in a doorway <laughs> doing magic from afar <laughs> like oh i don't want to get my hands dirty and i always kind of wanted to be more more involved in, in the fighting uh, i did get to kill one creature which i guess isn't like i, I shouldn't want that right we don't want to kill things but but in the context of the show where there was a lot of killing, I, I did want to participate in that more. So I got one, one at bat with an axe. But I really wanted to be more uh, proactive with the with the fighting. I would have enjoyed doing more of that mm-hmm. stuff. Although I'm pretty, pretty uncoordinated. So I probably would have hurt myself and possibly others. So maybe it was for the best that I wasn't allowed. <laughs> <clears throat>
2: Oh, the axe is pretty cool though the axe was awesome yeah. that
3: was very cool i had a cool At- cool kill moment yeah and a- <laughs> an axe is not usually
0: a protagonist's weapon
2: no so because it's so yeah it's brutal <laughs> i only got one sword the whole time i got no axes i got one weapon six years and then the, the script comes down it's like, "Oh, I don't need weapons. I've got mine right here." I'm like, "Oh, I'm <laughs> never going to get another one. It's just going to be that one. Damn it." So I'm always like,
3: "Did you do you killed some stuff, Christine, right?" I tried to kill Spike
1: <laughs> with an axe. Ah! Yeah, I don't remember killing anybody. All you fans out there, remind me if I did or if I didn't <laughs> <taking off
0: it. laughs> All right, let's, let's, let's get a Christine's kill count uh, from sure no our chat room. I might have killed someone. I, I don't, don't know. You don't know.
2: <laughs> Leading the fifth, Christine
1: yeah. The favorite <laughs> incredible moment was when I got the script and suddenly I had two daughters. So I was yeah. like, okay, okay. <laughs> it's all about living under imaginary circumstances so today i have two daughters <laughs> people ask like so how did you make that leap you know you just you know as an actor you just take the circumstances that you're given so i didn't think about it a lot you know
2: yeah very true. that is his own battle raising two daughters Probably harder yeah. harder than killing a demon for sure.
3: <laughs> really need the axe for that, you know, yeah. the raising of two daughters. You could
2: have used the axe.
0: <laughs> you too. It's in your room, <laughs> Daddy. Great question. Thank you for starting us off with that one. Eh, hey, what's next from Sophie? I'm going to rephrase this. Have you found yourself in possession of anything from the set? <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're not going to admit to it, no
0: course not
2: <laughs> I
1: illegal took home the picture that was taken don and buffy and i on the bed i
3: took Aww. Aww. i have a, a polaroid of me with a wound right here and there's a cake that's in the shape of a tombstone that says rest in peace tara mcclay and i have my my wound and i'm next to my my dead cake and we took that when when they killed me so i have that that's pretty you're pretty ridiculous. Very sad.
2: Yeah, we didn't really steal a lot, did we? We're good. We're good actors. Yeah. Well, uh, there's, they- there's a guy, Joe Pantoliano. I think that's how you mm-hmm. say his last name. He was like one of the bad guys on The Matrix. Really good actor. Mm-hmm. He takes everything <laughs> and sells it on the internet. Just unabashedly sells it on the internet. Like all his costumes, all his props, and then he goes sells it on the internet. I'm like, well, that's genius, but I mean... But uh, I don't
1: know. Uh, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't let, well, they wouldn't let me keep any clothes, which was yeah. unusual because you know, usually those are like, you know, hey, do you want them for a good deal or whatever? But they were all like, No, they're rentals and they're going back. Yeah. Maybe I
3: think Fox ended up selling a lot of the stuff. Yeah. I think they had a bunch of a bunch of auctions. I don't know if that right. went yeah. to them or to charity or how that worked,
0: yeah. but, but I do remember. I but who's <laughs> going <five> to buy
1: double-breasted pants? <laughs> that's that's
2: they told what. Me that, but
3: they're your pants. That makes them special.
2: <laughs> yeah. They whatever. Told me I could steal the coat. The costume people said, if you want to walk with that, we won't tell anybody. And mm-hmm. I had my nose in the air because I used to have theater companies in Chicago and Seattle, and I hated actors who stole my stuff. I hated that. Uh, like on your way out, you're going to steal from me. So I said, yeah. no, I'm not going to steal. it. Don't do that. And because I also thought, like, what the hell am I going to do with the coat? Like, am I going to wear it out sometimes in (laughs) case everyone's going to be like, that guy is insane? (laughs) Or like, no, no, I'll just wear it like at midnight in my house and look at myself in the mirror. Do I still got my mojo, you know, twirl around? No. Put it on like a mannequin. Here, welcome to my home. Would you like to touch the coat? No. You know, so I'm like the one person who doesn't need the coat. So I didn't take it, and then, then three days after we we came down, I heard about that that thing that Fox was selling stuff, and they sold the quote co- the code for a quarter million dollars, and I was like, 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 oh I, my oh, I God, why didn't I think of that? You know, I got two kids. I should I should have stolen the coat Yeah, but I
0: didn't. I, uh, yeah, whatever whatever show the following you know maybe gets goes before its time there's always the, oh, there's a chance to bring it back, bring it back. And I always
2: tell everybody they had an auction. They're not bringing it back. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, If just... anyone yeah. wants to like cheat on this,
1: <laughs> Bucky
2: would be the perfect show to just get something and, and say that it was part of the show because it was all just in the nineties. You could just get like a picture frame. You know, this was from the show. How are people going to know?
0: Uh, actor william daniels we've had him on here several times he told the when this question comes up often he had the best thing at the end of every season of boy meets world <laughs> the, the final episode his final day of taping he would bring in all of his old clothes and switch them out in the wardrobe for all the new stuff they had for him and walk out with all of it
3: that's awesome so smart <laughs> it's not was, stealing
0: it's trading that's yeah. brilliant uh, Three, and, And Sophie, that was a great question. Thank you for that. Uh, What do we have next? From Andre, if you were a vampire or another supernatural creature, would you fight evil or take over the world?
2: Mm. I would totally fight evil because, (laughs) well, this is the thing. I don't want to take over the world. Can you imagine Mm. how many phone calls you would have and how many people want you to make decisions (sighs) about stuff? and like fix problems and everything. If you were actually <laughs> took over the world, yeah. oh my God, I don't want the world. I, I have enough problem just dealing with all the stuff that I do now.
0: Superman 2, General Zod's taking over the world and he's bored senseless. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I would, no, you just be henpecked by everybody. Yeah. Oh, we need you to solve the crisis and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Forget yeah. it. Now. Yeah. Fight and you make
1: love. one mistake and everybody turns against you
2: exactly they blame you for anything anyway no way no no i would fight evil it's easier (laughs) it's
1: clean
0: (laughs) no one blame you on that Uh. Uh,
3: i get yeah i guess my my overdeveloped sense of right and wrong would probably make me fight evil i don't think i i would be comfortable ruling the world i'm not i don't yeah I, i agree with james it's too much responsibility i'll stick with with uh with doing the, the base amount of, of helping <laughs> to, fight, to fight evil like, and then I, hanging
2: out. I, I yeah. can't even fight evil in a video game. I feel guilty. <laughs> my friends think I'm the biggest idiot. They're like, that's the one place you could just let go, James. I'm like, it doesn't feel good. I just, oh. I, I want to help people. I, that's yeah. my past, so. yeah. yeah.
0: Very true, very true. Uh, Christine, oh. To oh. <laughs> fight evil oh. or take over the world?
1: I'd have to join in fighting evil. Yes, yes, yes. I'd like to be Hulk. <laughs> I'd like to be just totally badass and be able to beat people up who are bad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There you have it. I just rip them, them in them half. And they'd <laughs> up, just
1: like, and there they go.
0: <laughs> there you have it, Andre. Great question. And I would fight evil by taking over the world. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, what do we have next here's one from samantha ah does everybody have a favorite blooper moment that they would be willing to share
3: mine's pretty well known it's a, it's in the musical episode i because <laughs> i've talked it's well known because i've talked about it before but I, i'm sure people have noticed it and have looked for it after i've talked about it in the the like backing up buffy dance uh scene with emma where we're sort of like doing our little dance behind behind Buffy while she sings. I turn around and I walk off like in my dancing mode and I walked into a pole in the uh, the bronze. And uh, <laughs> and I, I hit the pole and I had that like uh, Pee Wee Herman moment of like, I meant to do that. And I looked around and n- nobody said anything or seemed to notice. So I was like, oh, I got away with it. I walked into a pole and nobody saw. Yay me. And then I watched the episode and... There it is, me walking right into the pole. <laughs> and then having that like, huh? Huh oh huh, huh moment walking off. Yeah, it's very embarrassing.
2: <laughs> I did the same thing, Amber. I sacked up into a column and Josh loved it so much, he did a close-up on me. He goes, do it again. And he put a close-up on me for
3: it. See, that's not fair. That's not fair of them to use our our, our bloopers against us. <laughs>
2: Oh my! God, that one worked. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, Chris! that
0: one. Oh, James, go ahead.
2: Well, I remember one time I was I was doing off camera work uh, for Allison and Nicholas. We were in a cave. I was fighting a demon, and. I was all into it i was like that was the the hyper caffeinated guy that was always like let's go guys every freaking day so annoying and and so i'm doing off-camera fighting the demon isn't there anymore and i'm standing beside all the lights and the cameras and the cables and all that stuff but i'd want to give my cast members something real to react to so they have a good shot mm-hmm. so i'm doing full-out fighting like every you know like crazy and of course i trip over a cable and I go right through the fake cave wall, smack and put a <laughs> hole in it, and and then immediately jump back through the hole and continue my off-camera fighting. At which point Nick just lost it. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, I can't even stop it. Stop it. I can't what are you doing? Maniac. Yeah. Red Bull should be only drinking drunk in in, in one can a day, maybe. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> i totally see you doing it too oh my, totally god, right?
2: it. So, oh my god right i'm that guy
3: so commitment so committed
0: yeah. yeah very choose christine you, you got a blooper moment you recall you know
1: i don't and when i saw the blooper reel i thought i shouldn't have been such a <laughs> yeah, a hard so professional. <laughs> I should have loosened up and had a little more fun. You know, you're always like thinking, oh, it's cost so much money. And, you know, they, they, they don't want mistakes and, you know, do it in as few takes as you can. And, you know, if I could go back, I I have not been so, you know, uptight about making a mistake because mistakes are great.
2: You know what though? I'm kind of, I, I, I'm similar to you, Christine. I, mm-hmm. I I remember after like three of these reels came out and I was not in them. I went to Josh. <laughs> I was like, what? You know I'm never in the reel. What? What's going on? He's like, James, you want the truth? You don't want to hear it? I'm like, yeah, I want the truth. It's like, because you're boring. Oh, that's said, not. No, no. He said, oh. he said, every time cut is called cut. You do exactly the same thing you glance down to make sure that you're on your mark and then you walk over to your chair you pick up your script and you study your lines that's all you ever do and and but when we call action it's like someone released a wild animal onto the set so don't change what you're doing and i came to realize like my fun was between the words action and cut because that was when everybody had to shut the hell up and i got to just kind of commune with the script and just be with the the the, the fantasy and the script, mm-hmm, and yeah. that was that was my payoff. It wasn't so much goofing around in between. You know, I was having so much fun doing the thing, yeah. that I just couldn't wait to get back to it. Again.
1: It was like the best make believe ever, right? You know? Oh yeah. my <laughs> like, God.
0: And and again, to your edification, as as we all know, the the scripts were pretty locked in stone, and we can we'll leave it at that.
2: Well, the best scripts are. Yep. You know, I I I I have a feeling like like us what some of our favorite movies. Oh Brother Where Art Thou, right? One of my favorite films. I don't think there was probably a lot of improvisation, like, oh George, make up your own words for this. No, I think that Ethan said, No, you got the comma wrong, George. Go back for it. I spent a long time writing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you're a writer, Amber. <laughs> Do you, like, would you say to actors, like, oh, I spent three months writing this, but whatever you want to do.
3: You know, I, th- I think it's when you have stuff like like Buffy or Gilmore Girls or like old school, like Preston Sturges, you have very, or even the Coen brothers, you have very specific lines of dialogue that only work if you say them the right way
1: mm-hmm.
3: for effect or for humor I think you have to be kind of rigid about it. But I think a lot of a lot of the stuff I've done as an actor, you read the script and you're like, well, I mean, the dialogue's not amazing. I guess I'll try and, and say it how they want it, but sometimes somebody will say something that's sort of the same and it and it works fine, or you're on a, a comedy where people are actually improving and that's the whole conceit of of that film. I don't know. I think it it depends on the script and who is in charge and what the sort of end game is. But as an actor, I always try and be respectful of the dialogue. Just that's me personally, unless they're like improv, have fun, do your thing. But when I make stuff, I, I try not to be so rigid because I find when I'm like behind the scenes and I'm, you know, um, directing or, or it's something I've written. A lot of times actors, and I see this with you guys, like, cause you guys are both very professional, very good at what you do. You always bring something that I didn't intend into the scene and make it better. <laughs> so so being less rigid and allowing for that sort of finding of things sometimes within within reason, invariably I find makes the uh, the project better and makes it feel like it's our project instead of somebody like dictating what I need to do. And I feel like the more inclusive you are where everyone is a part of it and we all have skin in the game invariably makes a better project for me when I'm working. So I get it though. I think like with Buffy, like if you didn't say it the right way, it sounded funny, you know? You had to do it that way. So I I 100% am behind that. But I think it's, you know,
2: for me it's kind of open-ended. There are projects, like really great projects where like the dialogue is not the star. Mm-hmm. It's not kind of supposed to sparkle. It's not supposed to dance no. and sparkle. Yeah. It's not the point. And and in those cases, the immediacy of improvisation, the mm-hmm. reality of it, the the dirtiness of it, kind of actually heightens the experience. Yeah.
3: I always think of like Mike Lee, who directs. You know, these very improv-heavy and not improv in the moment. They actually like secrets and Unlo- you know they they rehearse and they find the characters together and then what ends up becoming the script is what they've done together and i always thought that was such an interesting way to work to work with your your performers and find the the, the sort of world together you know what the the conceit of it is but like yeah. working to, have you either of you ever done that where you worked from like with the with the creative team mm-hmm. building a character like that nope I've always wanted to do that.
0: I've, I've I've done that at Disney. I've done that with Disney projects at Disney. Care. Really? So, wow. Yeah, where we're, we're given a show and we've workshopped it out and play tested it. And this care Buddy Boyle at the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor show started like this, but we he ended up being
2: the final form of this. Wow. that we contributed to. It. So yeah, That's there's you know, like waiting for Guffman, one of my other favorite films. Most of that was improv. Yeah. Of course, when you have those actors, you probably want to let them go. Well, Christopher Guest
0: always says, all right, this is where the scene, this is what happened up to now in this scene. And you've got this, a two minute scene. And by the end of this, this and this, and this has to happen and go. It's kind of like a documentary
3: right in the end where you just have all this footage and then you kind of have to put it all together. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, They do about, uh, he takes, it does about 15 to 20 versions of the scenes and yeah, then he piece them mm-hmm. together. So. I love improv, I,
2: I, it, it's so fabulous. And you know, I've never got to do it in front of a
1: camera. <laughs> <clears throat> there oh, you have lines. it. Uh. If I discover, I always assume that it's in the words and that by saying the words and paying attention, I, I discover you know, different variations of what it's about. I I suppose that's my theater training, but I remember the days when, before the good writers came to television, And you really had to improv because the dialogue (laughs) was horrendous. You know, I mean, it's like no one would ever talk that way. So you constantly, you know, had to find a better way to say it. And, you know, now there's really good writers in television. So, you know, I remembered that that turn and I was so happy when they said you have to memorize your lines just as they are (laughs) like oh that's so much easier than having to like you know how do I make this dialogue sound like a real person said it so yeah
0: we have to go all right then let's go (laughs) (laughs) well
1: theater
3: is the writer's medium right like that is truly the words are everything you're not relying on fancy camera angles or hot hot actors and actresses and and you know
2: no one knows if we're up we're only this big
3: it's
1: it's the it's the writing and it's the actors yeah i agreed a hundred percent you know because you really tell the story in film somebody else puts it all together and it never actually exists in real time yeah the way that it does in the theater.
0: Yeah, yeah, Shakespeare uh, yeah. never won
2: a Golden Globe, so... Uh,
0: yeah, uh, he, I, I disagree.
2: <laughs> you know, but television is really a writer's medium, too, because yeah. most of the time, the writers are the producers because oh. you have to keep writing more scripts. It's never done. Mm-hmm. And so they just put the writers in charge. He goes, yeah. like, you're the showrunner, you're the head writer. It's the same thing. Whereas in feature film, the writer, sorry to say, could be dead as long as the script is finished. And so, yes, oftentimes, I... they lose all power. Once, <clears throat> once and I think live... that a lot of that goes back to actually
0: what Buffy did. Buffy was Buffy was the show that bringing made... it back, bringing it back. <laughs> but but it was but it, but, it, but, it, but Buffy was the show that made people aware of nobody knew what a showrunner was. That was an industry term. Mm-hmm. And then Buffy made people aware of it and began the idea of uh, okay, there's a there's a there's a central node to the creativity of this series, and they're allowed to explore. And I think that led to the early two thousands when we saw the big explosion and experimental thing with the HBO shows and that really started breaking barriers. And yeah, you're right, the strong writing and mm-hmm. it's no longer the 80s stilted. Okay, here's a crime show, it's a procedure, let's let's go night Rider. Now we're seeing we're seeing <laughs> this this wonderful thing we're in now and so many concepts, so many things out going on. So there's there's a lot of great television. Yeah. And there is. not enough time to see it. Yep. So, but Samantha, great question. And I think we have time for one or two more. So let's see, what do we got? Here's one from Chance. What has been your most memorable fan interaction and or the weirdest that
2: you are willing to share with us? (laughs) I find that most of my interactions are really, really pleasant. I find with, with the Buffy fandom, I I consider myself one of the leading experts on Buffy fans because I don't know if anyone's met more than me. And I'm here to say we are smart, we're funny, we don't take ourselves too seriously, and we're kind. And I found that to be true all over the world. And so, like, I've met really interesting people. Like, invariably, there's someone with a really cool job. Like, I I met someone who worked on the large Hadron particle accelerator that, that straddles Switzerland and France and Europe. I met someone who worked on one of the Mars rovers. I'm a science fan guy, so I'm just like, oh, let's talk forever. But like, what the weirdest, like not a lot, you know? There was one time though, I was in England and I was at a cocktail party and the fans are getting, you know, inebriated. And (laughs) this is early, early on in the whole whole thing. I still have white hair, I don't really know about boundaries yet, you know? And these two older ladies came up, one in a wheelchair, they had to be above 80 years old, both of them. And, and and one of them goes, my friend would like to ask you a question. And I'm like, sure, what's up? And she's like, could you turn around? And I'm like, sure. And I turned around. And then she said, now bend over. And that, that right there, that's where <laughs> the boundary should come in. But I didn't know that. I was an idiot. And so I, I uh, bent over. And she just grabbed, like, right up in there. Just full up all the way in there, and like a vice grip. And I heard this little voice. Now clench. Right. And I I took off like a shot back to my hotel room. I was like, party's over, party's over. God. That's, that's it. And I've I've learned to put the put the the word in that I don't like my ass to be grabbed. I say that.
3: Well, I no one should do that like, to anybody. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, they should.
3: It's inappropriate.
2: No, exactly. And I don't like it. And if it, and if it happens, I, I call attention to it for damn sure. People know that now. Who expects all... that from little old British ladies? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you should be careful. But that's but that's like, I, I, have, I have met tens of thousands of fans. And that's that's seriously the only weird thing that's happened. Oh, right on. Yeah. Right on.
0: Ah, Amber, any uh, really memorable uh, fan
3: encounters? Well, I was proposed to once by a very lovely uh, woman who brought a ring and it's the only time I've ever been proposed to. So I really should have just said yes. I hadn't learned that lesson yet. You just, when it shows up, you just take it. But it was this gorgeous ring. I'm not kidding you. This thing was beautiful and she was lovely and so sweet. And I felt bad turning her down, but, but I did because we, I didn't know her. Probably wouldn't have been a great start to, to a marriage to not really know the person that you're getting engaged to. But it was it was very memorable. She got down on one knee. It was it was pretty pretty wonderful. She was she was very impressive and, and very chivalrous and charming.
0: Well so- sounds like you're kind to her and, and declining.
3: I would like I said, I was dumb. I should have just like taken the ring and run. <laughs> it was pretty gorgeous. <laughs>
0: oh my goodness yeah that's that's people have gotten people used to in the mail people used to get wedding proposals and stuff all the time i, I think that's that's the first one i've ever heard of an in-person at, at an event that uh, full thing
3: so it's kind so. of amazing she was wow. she was so lovely so.
0: ah well christine i'm not asking you to top that but you got a, you got <laughs> a story
1: <laughs> no i don't have any well stories in that sense but I totally agree with James you summed it up perfectly and not only in meeting fans but before I really met any fans my husband was on a television series at the same time that I was on Buffy and the fans of his show, they broke boundaries so many times. You know, they would come up in an airport and really call attention, which is the last thing you want to do in an airport. And I would just like kind of even drift off because I would, <laughs> i don't want to be in this. And people, you know, on the street, they'd yell across the street, yo, bro, and they would say his character name. And at that time, I would be on the subway and somebody would just very quiet, Quietly lean in and say, I, I, "I don't want to bother you, but I just love your work." And that, that you know, they were so respectful of boundaries. So you know, but nobody's—I haven't had that. But then you know, I'm not I'm not a hot guy like James. So everybody treats their mother
2: well. <laughs> no, it's not me. It's the fans. I find that Buffy fans kind of get it. You Know we yeah, have the best man they, they kind of really do like Norman Reedus. Like, his fans actually bite him, they chase him and sink their teeth into him. No, like it's a different crowd,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah no, it is, yeah, it
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely is.
0: And, Chance, there you have it, great question, and GalaxyCon viewers. This has been my time with the cast of Buffy, but it absolutely does not have to be yours. If you'd like to chat with our guests like I have today or purchase a personalized autograph, please sign up at galaxycon.com. And while you're there, we invite you to check out our schedule of upcoming events. Just like this one, panelists, this has been an absolute delight. Any final words before we take our leave?
3: Thank you so much for
0: hosting.
2: (laughs) Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Yeah.
1: Favorite people. So great to see you guys.
2: Yeah, any any excuse to hang out with Christine and Amber, I'll help on that.
0: Yeah. Ditto. So glad The same way, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, it's always been my absolute pleasure to serve you all. Once again, thank you for joining us here on the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Thank you to our audience for joining us, and thank, thank you, you for those great questions. Hope to see everybody really again soon. Until then, bye bye. Take care, and remember, smiles are free. Spend them often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>